the comments heard on The View from a Pew are those of Mac McCoy and are not necessarily the opinions of his guests, his producer Garth, any one particular denomination or religion, the church lady, Mr. Lemke, Pastor Craig, or anyone else of sound mind and body. Now here is today's The View from a Pew, heard all around the world on YouTube. Just search for The View from a Pew. Good afternoon and thank you, Emily. I'm Mac McCoy and this is The View from a Pew at theviewfromapew.com and also all over Facebook. And I can't tell you how many places Garth has our webcaps and uh, podcasts, so we appreciate all that Garth does for us. My special guest, as it is on every Tuesday, is Theo. Theo is an alumnus of the Dallas Theological Seminary, and uh, he, he... He's an amazing guy in person on the radio, and he, he loves Jesus, but he he almost has Romans completely memorized. That's the commitment that he has uh, to that book and the teaching of it, and that's why I love to have him on on Tuesday uh, for the Roman Road. So, Theo, nice to have you back this week, and tell me what the big idea is for today. Okay, Mac. This is week 32, and our big idea is sin's manipulation of the law is exposed. You know, we are looking at the justified believer's relationship to the law, primarily the Mosaic law. Things have changed. As we saw in chapter 6, our old self has died with Christ. The old self's obligation to the law was released. Unfortunately, sin manipulates the law to deceive us and arouse us to sinful activity. But knowing that the law itself is good and righteous exposes the utter evil of sin when it manipulates the law to encourage human selfish and sinful activity. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll review. Thank you, Lord, that we can be together today to study the Book of Romans. Considering where we are in Christ, may we have wisdom to understand that sin often manipulates the good law, to deceive us and encourage sinful activity. Thank you for the gospel, the good news. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He rose on the third day according to the scriptures. In that process, he gave us the free gift of salvation through faith only. And now may everything we say and do be honoring to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So this is the Roman road. So let's review the Roman road quickly, and it's the Roman road to salvation. In Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then in Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is death. So all people are facing death. That's a daunting thought. Then we go on to Romans 5.8, where it says that, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So now we see God getting involved in our problem. Then we go on to Romans 6:23, where it says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So now we're seeing life as opposed to death. And we ask ourselves, well, how can I take advantage of that? Then we go to Romans 10, 9 through 10 where it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart, not just your head, but believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. So that is the Roman road to salvation. And in order to help our group here keep from getting bogged down in uh, Book of Romans, 16 chapters, we have identified a most important verse, a most important paragraph, and a most important chapter. The most important verse is Romans 3.24. We've encouraged people to memorize it, and it goes being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Then on to the most important paragraph, which contains the most important verse. That's Romans 3.21 through 3.26. Even Martin Luther wrote in his own Bible that Romans 3.21 through 26 is the chief point and very central place of this epistle and the whole Bible. On to the most important chapter, that would be Romans chapter 8. And how beautiful is this chapter that it begins and ends telling the justified believer that there is now no condemnation and no separation from Christ Jesus. The book of Romans is made up of five pillars of theology sin in chapter 1, verses 18 through chapter 3, verse 20. Salvation, chapter 3, verses 21 through chapter 5, verse 21. Sanctification, chapters 6, 7, and 8. Sovereignty, chapters 9 through 11. And service, chapters 12 through chapter 15, 13. So let's quickly review those pillars that we've covered so far. As to sin, we find the clear idea that all people are sinners. According to Romans 3, 10 through 11, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Now let's review salvation in chapters 3, 21 through chapter 5, through the end of that chapter. Humans have a sin problem, but there's hope. So let's quote from the New Living Translation, chapter 3, verses 22 and 24, from that most important paragraph. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Now let's go on to the third theological pillar, sanctification. Once we are saved positionally, that is justified, what do we do? How do we live? Chapter 6 of Romans answers that question by explaining the justified believer's relationship to sin. Our old self died, figuratively, with Christ, terminating our relationship of slavery to sin. The surviving new self is no longer a slave to sin. And let's go on to chapter 7 of Romans, where he addresses the justified believer's relationship to the law. In verses 1 through 6, he discusses the law's loss of authority. The justified new self is the survivor of the relationship between the unbelieving old self and the law. The old self died with Christ 
Thus, the law of the old relationship no longer has jurisdiction, rule, or authority. The new self has been released from a law, raised from the dead with Christ, and joined to Christ. This concept is well summarized in Romans 10.4, where it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ has replaced the law as the one to follow. When you willingly follow him, you bear fruit for Jesus. Then going on in Romans 7, we see in verses 7 through 8, a discussion of the activity of the law. God's gift of the law to humans informs humans about what is sin, such as coveting. It is supposed to curb sin, to honor God, and prevent anarchy in the Jewish society. And, like a mirror, to show humans their weakness and inability to be righteous. But the law is often turned into an instrument of sin through the fleshiness or selfishness of people. Sin misuses the law to arouse previously dormant or dead selfish passions. The forbidden fruit becomes the aroused object of desire and then action. That is why the ending part of verse 8 states that apart from the law, sin is dead. Now let's go on to Romans 7, 9 through 12. We see that the power of sin uses prohibitions in the law to arouse forbidden activity. The forbidden activity leads to death. The Mosaic law is good. It is holy. It is righteous. Used properly, it curbs evil activities. But... The power of sin found in our human flesh can deceptively use the prohibitions of the law to arouse sinful desires leading to further sinful actions. So now let's go to our new verse for the week, Romans 7:13. Let's read it. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. Paul is making sure his Jewish Christian listeners fully understand their relationship to the law. In his typical fashion, Paul anticipates a question from his listeners and then answers it. The question is, has something good that is, the law caused spiritual death for me. Paul essentially shouts his response, May it never be, as he did in Romans 6.1. Should we continue to sin now that we have grace? He said, May it never be, in Romans 6.15. Should we sin because we are not under law? And again, he says, May it never be. Romans 7.7, 7, Is the law sin? Again, he said, may it never be. The law by itself does not cause spiritual death. Theoretically, keeping the whole law would lead to life. But practically, it is impossible for any human to keep the whole law because humans are sinful, having a nature infused with sinful passions, such as self-exaltation, self-fulfillment, self-preservation, self-self-self. This corrupt nature, also called the flesh, is described in Romans 1.23 and Romans 5.13.
sin manipulates the law as an instrument to arouse latent sinful passions and as an instrument to deceive humans that it can be a stepladder to an imagined rooftop of righteousness. So, sin is exposed. It is exposed when it manipulates an instrument which is good and righteous to affect spiritual death. Sin leads to death. Goodness leads to life. Therefore, when the commandments are used to affect death, it clearly exposes sin's evil manipulation of the commandment to arouse sinful activity. Thus, the scripture says that sin becomes utterly sinful. And next week, we're going to be looking at Romans 7.14, and what a wonderful study that's going to be. Thank you, Theo. That's week uh, 32. Theo will be back next Tuesday for the next Roman Road. Of course, he is an alumnus of the Dallas Theological Seminary, and his big ideas is always a great big thing that we need to take to heart and hear what the gospel says. I'm Mac McCoy. If I haven't told you lately, thanks for listening. Love this job. And I couldn't do it without you. Here on TheViewFromAPew.com.